Tonight we look at the fact that Joseph does not let resentment destroy him or his testimony. As we contemplate Joseph's life, we could easily see how he could have been extremely disillusioned with people. Uh, Joseph had to deal with the jealousy of his brothers. In Genesis 37:11, the brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. And of course, that jealousy eventually led to his being sold into bondage in Egypt. Joseph had to learn to deal with the unjust anger of Potiphar. Now it came about when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him saying, this is what your slave did to me, that his anger burned. And of course that resulted in his imprisonment. And then tonight, <coughs> we learn how Joseph had to deal with the uncaring indifference of the cupbearer. After interpreting his dream and Joseph asking that the cupbearer would remember him to Pharaoh, it says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So, Joseph has undergone a series of trials, each one being more severe than the one before. First, he is hated by his brothers. Then he is cast into a pit. Then he is sold to a band of Ishmaelites. Then he is sold to Potiphar. Then he is cast into prison. And you could easily ask the question, what is going on here? Uh, imagine, if you will, uh, trying to Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. God's sovereignty and his plan is being worked out in the life of Joseph. Genesis 45.5 And now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And then again in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. I have here that Joseph lived in a real world, meaning it was filled with pain and hardship and difficulty. And yet, Joseph never loses sight of faith and trust in God. And his character demonstrates that Time and time again. Uh, we need to personalize the life of Joseph. We, we need to put ourselves, as I said earlier, in his shoes. Try to contemplate what it must have been like for Joseph to go through all these promotions and then the devastating outcome. It would have been tremendously easy for him to become cynical or resentful or angry, or disillusioned, or self-absorbed, put upon. You know, whatever particular adjective you want to use to describe the frustration that Joseph must have felt, and yet he remains faithful and true to God. We read in Romans chapter 8, a verse that probably everyone knows, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them also glorified. What should we then say to these things? If God can be before, if God before us, who can be against us? 
you know, it's, it's easy to, to sit back and look at Joseph's life and say, well, you know, Joseph had this dream when he was 17 years old and he knew that everything was going to work out okay. Well, he certainly didn't know the details. And he, he certainly didn't understand at the time God's purpose. But, yes, he was told, in, in a sense, that everything is going to work out all right. Well, we're told that everything is going to work out all right. Uh, we're told that God is sovereign over the people that come into our lives. And that there is nothing that comes into our life that he is not in control of. Uh, no one can stay his hand. And yet, we find ourselves frustrated, disillusioned, upset, angry, uh, wondering in a quandary uh, about the circumstances that we are encountering. But not so Joseph. Joseph is continually being disappointed by humans, but not by God. In each episode of Joseph's life, there has been hardship, promotion, then devastation. However, God has been at work in each episode of Joseph's life. So the key verse tonight is Genesis 40:23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. The hardship. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in jail. His promotion. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. But then the devastation. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but for God him. Once again, Joseph's righteousness appears to go unrewarded. Once again, his faithfulness seems to lead him nowhere. Transitional statement. Joseph is forgotten by man, but not by God. Genesis 30, verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail, but the Lord was with Joseph. Theme. God is at work in building the character of Joseph. Uh, God is bringing these things into his life to build within him a certain character. We find in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good to those that love God who are called according to his purpose. And we could ask, well, how are they working towards good? What is the good that's coming out of the particular situation that I presently find myself in? And the answer is that we're being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he's building within us character. And that character is to reflect the very person of Jesus Christ. To respond as Jesus did to the hardships and difficulties that he encountered. And so God is building a character in Joseph to ready him for this tremendous promotion that he's going to get as uh, Pharaoh's own right hand and to prepare him to be ready and willing and able to forgive his brothers. So let's look at number one, God's relationship to Joseph. Three truths are highlighted. First, the Lord was with Joseph. God had not forsaken him, but the Lord was with Joseph. The greatest words of comfort that there are in the Word of God is the fact that the Lord is with us. It would be worthy just to 
take a stroll through the Old and New Testament to see how often that phrase is used to encourage God's people. The Lord is with us. The Lord will help us. Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Matthew 28, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, Jesus' words to his disciples, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The word to us in the book of Hebrews. Let your character be free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Everything was under the sovereign control of God. It hadn't run amok. Even all of the adversity that Joseph was encountering. But we are given the same kinds of promises. That God will be with us and that no human being can stand against the purpose and design and will of God. We are to take great courage in that thought. Secondly, the Lord extended kindness to Joseph. Verse 21, the Lord with Joseph and extended kindness to him. There are five different Hebrew words that are translated in English as merciful or kind. The word that is used here means an abundant, extraordinary, or uncommon kindness. So God was exceedingly kind to Joseph while he was in prison. Exceedingly kind. God was very helpful to Joseph. One manifestation of that was giving Joseph favor in the eyes of the jailer, but it's much more than that. God wonderfully enabled and empowered Joseph to respond in the way that he should. So, see, the Lord gave Joseph favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And D, the threefold relationship that God had to Joseph can be summed up as God was in control of the circumstances of Joseph's life. God was manifesting his presence to Joseph in an extraordinary way. Uh, Joseph was reassured of God's presence with him and his will being done. And God was superintending the responses of men to Joseph. Those responses were varied. And fickle, for there were times in which he found favor in the eyes of men, and then there were times that he experienced the jealousy, the anger, and the indifference of mankind. Secondly, the character that God was building in the life of Joseph as a result of this threefold response a character that had to be exemplified in his service to Pharaoh. First, Joseph was reliable. Genesis 39.23, the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge. That's almost verbatim what took place when Joseph was a slave for Potiphar. Potiphar didn't look after anything that was put under Joseph's charge. Even to the place where finally Potiphar put everything under his charge. And it says that the only thing that Potiphar knew was the food that was set before him. Everything else he just left in Joseph's hands and didn't worry about it. Now he's in prison. 
The chief jailer leads everything in Joseph's hands and doesn't worry about it. The remarkable thing is that once he's promoted, Pharaoh is going to leave everything in Joseph's hands and not worry about it. He was reliable. He was trustworthy. He was honest. He was industrious. All those characteristics that are necessary to perform an excellent job without any supervision, without anybody looking over his shoulder, without anyone holding him directly accountable. He was self-motivated. And again, it's remarkable that he would be so when, again, there seemed to be nothing in it for Joseph. B. Joseph was compassionate. Genesis 40, verses 1 to 7, to give you the story. Then it came about after these things that the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was furious with these two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. And the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them. And they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night. Each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph, when Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? Joseph was interested in these men. He was insightful. He was sensitive. Just by looking at them, he could see that something was troubling them. That they were dejected. And he asked about their situation. Uh, if anybody could have been dejected, it would have been Joseph. It would have been so easy for him to be self-absorbed. And not only self-absorbed, but somehow take some kind of cynical pride or glee in the fact that here are some other people that are suffering too. Here are some people that maybe some injustice has come into their life, but nothing like has come into my life, Joseph could think. And actually be glad that somebody is finally experiencing the kind of things that he has gone through. But he has none of those negative thoughts and none of those negative reactions. But instead, he's very compassionate towards these men. Third, Joseph was clear in his witness. Then they said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell it to me, please. Uh, Joseph doesn't puff himself up, doesn't magnify himself, doesn't say, you know, I can interpret dreams. But rather, he says, God can interpret dreams. So tell me yours. It would be essential that God would ultimately receive the glory for sparing the children of Israel. Genesis 40, verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him in my dream, Behold, there was a, a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, 
its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now, Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Next, Joseph was hopeful. Joseph did not lose faith in God or his fellow man. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to continue to experience the hardship that he's going through. And so he makes a very simple plea. When you get back into Pharaoh's presence, tell him about me. Tell him that I'm here and that all I am going through. He expected the cupbearer to be compassionate towards him. Verse 15, for I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. He expects this cupbearer to believe him. Uh, he hasn't lost his, his faith in his fellow man. When all that he's experienced in life so far would have led him to that kind of end. Uh, to just become, as I say, cynical, bitter, uh, poisoned against mankind. What is man like? Well, they're full of anger, injustice, jealousy. Why would he ever expect this man to show him any kindness? And the reality is, the man is indifferent and doesn't show him kindness. E. Joseph was honest and forthright. When the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. And the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat flesh off of you. He was honest. He told the truth. He must have wondered what this man would say or do with this kind of interpretation. Uh, Joseph could have said, I'm sorry, that, 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 that dream's too hard for me. Uh, I don't know what it means. Uh, he could have backed off. He, he, he could have been resistant. But he speaks the truth. Uh, he, he has an incredible self-serving spirit that he, he just doesn't preserve himself. Which brings us to the next point, F. Joseph was helpful to others. Uh, wherever he is, he's, he's helpful to his father, he's helpful to Potiphar, he's helpful to the jailer, and now he's helpful to this cupbearer. Whatever abilities and talents he has, he uses them to prosper others. 
and to help them and to further them. (coughs) Joseph was consistent and long-suffering. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. He's released. Look at Genesis 40, 20 at the top of the page. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hands. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Joseph was consistent and long-suffering. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. Two years passed from the time that Joseph says to this cupbearer, don't forget me. Tell Pharaoh about me. Two years. Two years is a long time to be in prison. To continually be hopeful. To be encouraged. Not only does he have two years, but it appears that Joseph had been in Egypt for 13 years up until this point. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph when 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth. And then Genesis 41, 46. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. So 13 years have transpired from the time that he sold into slavery until he finally gets an audience with Pharaoh. That's a long time. 13 years. 13 years. with nothing to bring you any hope other than your faith in God. A long time for God's purpose to be unfolded. Conclusion? Joseph was once again disappointed by men, but not by God. Because Joseph did not lose his faith in God, he did not lose his ability to forgive his fellow man. What all of this does for Joseph is demonstrate man's weakness and need. Joseph feels sorry. He pities people who are angry, people who are jealous, and people who are indifferent to his needs. You know, how do we take it? When people are angered with us for no just reason. Or when people are jealous of us for things over which we've had no control. God just prospers us and some people are jealous. Or in some ways even worse, how do we respond to the indifference that we experience, especially when we're compassionate to others? We do them good. We try to help. And then we have our own need. We have our own area of suffering. We have our own hardship. And we expect others to enter into that and, and feel for us and help us and encourage us, and they don't. Joseph knew all of that. And he handled all of that. 
without any counseling, without any medication, without any of the crutches that we tend to look to solely in his own personal relationship with God, with not even a fellow believer to interact with, like Paul and Silas when they are in prison. He's by himself. And yet, remains faithful to God, remains positive, remains concerned about other people. It, it really is astounding and wonderful. But this was going to be important, that this faith, if Joseph is going to forgive his brothers. The words of Jesus to his disciples, Be on guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. That there is a direct relationship to our faith and the ability to forgive others. Now, what was he, what were they asking God to increase their faith in? I think it's in God. In God. Lord, help us to believe in your power. Help us to believe that you can make a difference in my life and in the life of others. Why would there be any reason to believe if in the very same day someone comes to you and asks your forgiveness and they turn around and do the very same thing and come back and ask for your forgiveness and they go out and do the very same thing and they come back and ask your forgiveness. And they go out and do the very same thing. And come back and ask your forgiveness. And they go out and do the very same thing. And they come back and ask your forgiveness. And they go out and do the very same thing. And they come back and they ask your forgiveness. What reason would you have to believe that this isn't going to go on ad infinitum? To throw your hands up and say, you know, this person is never going to change. One of the sad characteristics of a non-believing world is their disbelief in the ability of a person to change. They don't think people can change. Modern psychiatry that's outside of Christendom doesn't expect people to change. They, they just label behaviors. So that they understand why they are the way they are, but they don't expect them to change. They don't expect them to be transformed. They just have to learn to live with their limitations. They're just always going to be that way. For the Christian, there is a hope that there's ability to change. It's common knowledge that in secular understanding, a child molester will always be a child molester. They will never and so they have to perpetually register wherever they go. Because once a child molester, always a child molester. That there's no ability to change. Faith understands 
that there is an ability to change. And Joseph actually anticipates that his relationship with his brothers is going to be different. And wonderfully, graciously, it is. And they humble themselves before him. And they appreciate him. And they honor him. But it took great faith on his part to believe that that would happen. It took great faith to believe after two years that this cupbearer is finally going to say something to Pharaoh. But he does. It takes great faith sometimes to believe that people in our own little world, in our family, in our extended family, in our workplace, are ever going to change, or ever going to be different. Lord, increase our faith. Help us to see what you are able to do. As we sang tonight, Oh No, You Never Let Go, I just thought how appropriate that song is for the story of Joseph's life. God did not let go of him. And he will not let go of us. I don't know what you're going through tonight. But I knew, do know, if you're a child of God, that he's working it out for your good, which includes the idea of being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith, we have to continually hang in there, not lose trust in God or our fellow man. And not let bitterness and resentment or anger or disappointment disillusion us to such a degree that we're no longer compassionate, no longer caring, no longer willing to forgive, help, and minister aid to. May God grant us the grace to live out the characteristics of Joseph. Uh, if uh, those that were playing tonight, if you would come forward.